Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of TKW Podcast, Super Team Edition, really. <laughs> We're your hosts. I'm Anthony Corbo. And I'm Kyle Maggio. And, uh, yeah, good week going on. Thanks a lot for everyone who's been listening the last couple of days. I know we had a, uh, we chatted with Chris Herring this past weekend, and it seemed like everyone really enjoyed that. So, it was a good talk. Chris is a good dude, and I think we had a good time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It was, a, it was definitely an experience, so. Yes. So since we uh, since we had that talk, we have had two games. We recorded that right before the Lakers game on uh, Saturday, and then we had the Suns game after that. Um, what are your takeaways? What are you seeing? Um, the Lakers game was kind of fun. It was. It, it, it was. was very, it was very. Yeah. It was very fast paced. It was very up and down. You know that was. Overall, it was a very fun game. Um, it was a fun game on both sides to watch. I mean, I, I just, you know, it, it wasn't anything too crazy. It was fast California style basketball. It seemed, um, yeah, but good, but good, uh, good to watch. I forgot. Did Rose play in that game? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think Rose started out eight of eight in that game. I think he finished with twenty. Yeah, that's points. right. That was the one. Yeah. Okay. Now he had a he had a real good game and. Not for nothing, but he already isn't a fantastic defender anymore. And we know this. We've mm-hmm. talked about this. You know, we've beat the dead horse on it. But in a game where, let's say, defense doesn't matter, per se, because that, that Lakers game was just very fast-paced, very up and down, that seemed like kind of the perfect situation because, you know, he almost didn't need to play defense because that's – Everybody was getting burned in that game. No yeah. one was playing defense. So he just kind of fit right in, had a ball. So I mean, and that's I think that was kind of the expectation going in, too. It's just like, you know, the Knicks aren't playing any defense and the Lakers aren't playing any defense. If you look at any storylines about these two teams, that's what they're talking about. So, I mean, when you get into a situation like that, you got two unsure teams. You don't really know what they're doing right now. I guess you got to play to your strengths. You just got to go out there and try to put up as many points as you can. Uh, you know, burned us a couple of times. Uh, Chris Ups looked all right out there, but he got burned by Nance, I think, uh, on a pretty, pretty mean dunk. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, that, that was a good game for Rose to play. And that was just a good game, I think, to get guys shooting and kind of work through whatever shooting stuff they had to do. That's kind of, you know, Chris Ups started picking it back up a little bit. Um, but yeah, what about, uh, what about the Suns game? Yeah, kind of an extension of what you the point you just made there. KP picking it, picking it back up. I mean, yeah. uh, the Lakers game he had twenty six points on eight of fifteen yeah. shooting, so a little over fifty percent. Three of four from deep, so that's a good sign. He also had twelve points and seven blocks in that game, so that kind of goes along with the rim protection we've been talking about. So that's fun, and um, yeah, and then against the Suns game, now that was his the third time this season that he eclipsed 30 mm-hmm. i think so and, and that was fun i mean he really got it going i think in that third quarter he was kind of lights out and 
Um, I mean, it was that game was fun for Chris. That was for more than just basketball purposes because I I enjoyed the scuffle. I enjoyed because he's oh, he's man. got such a good demeanor most of the time. He's so calm. He he's never frazzled or anything. And Chris just throws him to the ground, and he's like, "You know what? Not today. Not no, today. God damn it!" And he that's, gets up and he shoves him. That's like uh, that one time last year, whenever it was that, like uh, he got into. Uh, I don't even remember who he got into it with. I feel like it was someone on Sacramento, but I don't recall. No, no, no. no. Um, the Hawks wasn't it? Baysmore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it was Baysmore, and uh, he got right up in his face. And the best thing about that is Melo just coming up right afterwards. It's like you, you mess with him, you're messing with me too. Yeah, I I like it. I like it, and and call, I like it too. Call it call it old school. Call it barbaric, barbaric. I won't disagree with you. I like it. I like seeing it's the like shoving. Nick's basketball to me. It's That's... Nick's basketball. It's it's comfortable. It's homey. That's what I grew up on. I like yeah. seeing it. So you know, obviously within reason. If you're shoving a guy every week, we got problems. But you got to stick up for yourself too. Sometimes so give him a good shove. Um, I will say he needs to work on his aim because he uh. <laughs> he was he was well off the mark on the shove, so the intent was there, and, and he kind of missed. You, go, you talk about him needing to work on his aim, and it's you know he's finally got his shot back. I don't know. <laughs> I I think I'll TF him. I'll give him the weak push if he keeps on putting baskets in like that. I'll uh, it's allowed. I'll be loud. And also, I would like to make the point that I'm totally yeah I love the scuffle, and I'm totally good with that brand of basketball. But also like for them to not only win against the Suns, but not go to overtime against the Suns. Um, because that is just... I think we all were just predicting it. If there was ever a game to get an easy win with the New York Knicks in 2016, I feel like this would have been the game. Yeah, that's part of the issue too, because I don't want to be that guy. Because going into the, the West Coast road trip, I remember we talked and I said... I would have been happy coming home from a, a five-game Western Conference road trip with two wins. If we went like two mm-hmm. and three, I would have been okay with it. You know, not nothing crazy, but um, and they started off two and zero, oh, so I was like, oh, you know, now I can't really be disappointed. Sure. And then I still felt disappointed after the Suns game because yeah, well, because it's the Suns, you know, it's a very yeah, it's a very winnable game. It's a weak team. Um, I mean, the only issue, the only issue is Rose as. Not great defensively as he's been. Um, he does have much more of an impact than Jennings does over the very true course of a game. And Rose left what pretty much immediately in that game. Ten minutes, yeah. So that kind of helps Bloodsoe go off, and and not that he would have stopped Bloodsoe defensively, but you make the other guy work on the defensive end, and and who's to say? You know, Rose wouldn't have tired out Bledsoe a little bit, so he can't just, you know, bombard you for 31 points. So so is that to say that we are, should be pretty scared for tonight? We should be scared for tonight for, like, there is a, a laundry list of reasons to be scared. I mean, if we were fully healthy going into tonight, it was already terrifying that we were going to lose by 30 or 40 points. And... We now have no Derrick Rose, and we now have no Carmelo Anthony. So it's just KP and a bunch of dudes out there, basically. Playing on TNT, nonetheless. Playing, it's it's always this way. It's always, like, we get these weird, yucky games. It's just, it's, yeah. Um, well, I think it's because the league kind of likes to make fun of the Knicks. I mean, it's the league, it's the fans, it's it's at all things out to get us, you're 100% right. Yeah, it's I conspiracy. think everyone likes to... Likes to uh, to laugh at the Knicks' expense a little bit, and that's kind of part of it. That's why we got to come back and prove everyone wrong. But I don't think tonight's going to be the night that we do that. No, 
No, I mean, I, to be honest, I, we're going to lose. If we win by some <laughs> stroke of God, then uh, cool. I'll take it, obviously. But we're, we're going to lose. Can you imagine we, we, beat, we lose to the Suns with a full roster and then beat the Warriors without Melo or Rose? It would be a very Nixy thing, to be honest. Yeah. It, 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 would, it would be. Uh, I just want to see. G- give me another 30-point KP game tonight. I don't care if he does it on 40 shots. Just get it done. Let me have something oh. to smile about. And something that got lost in the shuffle, too, is Kyle O'Quinn. Uh, played pretty monstrous on uh, against the Suns. If you, you saw have, him, like, 27 points. 22 points. Digits, 22, 22 points, points. Double digits of rebounding. Yeah, um, double-double again. Yeah. Um, that's encouraging for me. They played him down the stretch for a while. I don't I don't think I saw Noah at all in that overtime. No. Um. I, I don't know. Um, we'll do a little light Kyle on Kyle here, I guess. What are your thoughts on uh, on Kyle, Kyle O'Quinn going into this game? I can't believe it's happened in 25 games, but I'm almost, a, I have like a toe left on the wagon of Kyle O'Quinn sucks, and I'm officially, I'm very, very close to moving to Kyle O'Quinn is at worst a mediocre basketball player. I really might be there because there's consistency. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of consistency. I like there what is. I'm seeing. He's been. It looks like he's growing a little bit. That's what it looks like to me too. Is he's stopped trying to like. It looks like he finally found a role. Last year I found well, yeah, like it, he was kinda, a roleless guy. Right, he, and I think he's kind of, and that's why you saw him taking so many like you know shitty threes, and you saw him you know just like making all these great plays, and then making all these like trash plays right afterwards. Biggs just has a lot to do with that. He's finally found a role, finally found some consistency, and he doesn't want to jeopardize it. No, absolutely. Starting to play to it. You no, know, I, I, I'm very happy about it. I even moved him up in my official Kyle rankings. Um, Ooh, yeah, 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 I saw that. Yep, 4. he went 0, up. Right? Yep, he went up from I think something like 2,000 something or other. I got him at 99 now, so he's climbing the list slowly but surely. Yeah, he broke out of the triple and quadruple digits. He's he's back into double digits. So. Sick. Yeah, it's it's a really good time to be Kyle O'Quinn. Uh, please, uh, please unblock us. Uh, yeah, come on. Like, if anyone, who, all of you listeners who don't know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, like right before Kyle O'Quinn started um, breaking out, yeah, you know, breaking out, yeah, he, what I guess, took some offense to the Knicks wall um, deciphering his acronym tweets because um, I don't know who else is going to do it. And I don't know, maybe he caught wind of a couple of the earlier Kyle on Kyle's where we were fairly scathing. It's possible. Um, it's possible. It's possible. He might have just caught a little bit of wind. You don't know what guys talk about in that locker room. But he's, he, he blocked us. He's completely blocked us off Twitter. We can't see anything he's doing. So I think we're issuing like the official plea right now. Please, please, hashtag, please come back, Kyle. Um, it'd be it'd just be, be nice to be back in your presence. We want to we all want to be on the same team here. So. Come back, buddy. But as I say that, I kind of want to uh, raise a little bit of a thought I had earlier today. Okay. So we're talking a little bit earlier in the season. We were like, you know, buzz started coming around of who's available. You know, Minnesota needs a big to help with the development. They're looking to trade one of the younger players. And, you know, there's all the trade buzz coming around now. Is Kylo Quinn a legitimate trade piece? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, if he keeps us up by the trade deadline, yes. And mo- okay. because it's two parts, it's consistency and it's also his age. It's his age. It's his contract. If through, I mean, th- the first 10 games was pretty rocky for him, but after that, he's kind of really hit his stride. 
obviously he has up and downs still, but more or less you're getting the same kind of consistency out of him, even if the numbers aren't always monstrous. And um, I think he's still 25. He's on a really friendly contract. Good contract, yeah. So Two more years on it after this one? Yeah. So, yes, he could be. I... Well, the reason I raise this point now is because, you know, obviously Noah's struggling, and I'm pretty sure that this year Noah is an unmovable contract. I don't even see someone like, you know, I don't even see Minnesota taking on or like Sacramento or any any of those teams um, who are looking to actually move people around. But with, with O'Quinn, it's just everything kind of looks like it's lining up, and I just, you know, we just don't know. You know, we've seen a lot of Kyle O'Quinn lately. We don't know if this is him really developing or if he's going to, you know, kind of come back down to earth a little bit. He's been a little up and down, but not anywhere, you know, too far outside of the mean. Um, Yeah, I just kind of wonder if there's if they're going to actively try to move him for one of these early deals right now, because it's the 15th of December right now when we record this. And that means players who were signed in the offseason can be traded now. I I just don't think it's going to happen only because Noah isn't movable. And he's somehow become our de facto big man uh, to kind of go to for kind of most of the game. Because Noah, even when he starts now, he's not playing down the stretch. Down the stretch. He's not playing more than 25 minutes most nights even. So he's kind of hovering like 20. 25, yeah. And those 20 minutes he's in there, you barely, outside of maybe what, two games, three games this season, you really haven't felt his impact at all. So I think you got to hold on to Kyle O'Quinn kind of just has insurance right now until, you know, Joe Kim uh, shows some sort of life. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm interested in what the Knicks think that, that they have because you have four legit centers on the roster right now. Yeah. And that's not including KP, um, which makes me think that that's their most logjam position, that they'd be looking to move out one of them. And to me, Kyle O'Quinn screams to be the biggest candidate to get moved if he can uh, keep this up. But I don't know. I was kind of just playing around with some because uh, I think they kind of trust in Billy's development and maybe Plum leaking them something. I think they do still trust in Noah. But I kind of put together a little, a couple of lists of names um, of players that I think the Knicks could consider in packages moving forward. Okay. Um, and it's you know mostly bench guys. You have like Justin Holiday could be a piece. Yeah, and I'm not saying centerpiece. So I'm just saying who could be factored in here. You know, you got Holiday could be a piece. You got Kuz could be a piece. Plumley could probably be a piece. You know, if they could do something with Noah, I'm sure they would consider it at least. But one of the other names that came up to me is, um, and I don't know, it's probably not a great move in the short term, but Courtney Lee um, has been consistent and probably the most consistent player on the team so far. Absolutely. But I wonder, like, if you look at, let's just take Minnesota, for example, because they were the first team I started working on. Looking at like Shabazz Muhammad, probably the one young player who's just coming along. It doesn't necessarily fit into their scheme yet. And let's just take him at first. And you look at a package maybe around O'Quinn and Courtney Lee, swap first round picks this year. They'll probably, they're, I mean, looking at where the record is now, the, the gamble is that they'll have the lower pick and we would potentially get a lottery pick out of that um, while they still get a first round pick. Just a, kind of a thought that started coming into my head now that these contracts are available to be moved. Looking at some things. I don't know. Do you see anything on the radar? Nothing right now. I mean, in a perfect world, we'd somehow pry Ricky Rubio away from Minnesota. 
Um, right. And that's why I was considering Rubio or Levine, and it's just tough to see I don't think them wanting to part with that much. I think when they talk about young guys, I think they are talking about a Shabazz Muhammad. I, I don't think the young guys are, you know, the Carl obviously not Carl Anthony Towns, but I don't think it's Andrew right. Wiggins. I don't think it's Zach Levine. I, I don't think that's the sort of shade that they were throwing with that rumor. I, I think right. it was I, some I of those auxiliary guys. I don't think it's Levine guys. either. But of those three, of the Towns, uh, Wiggins, Levine trio that they have there, I feel like Levine would be the most likely one to be moved. Just because he's, he's good and he has superstar potential, um, he can shoot lights out. But I feel like he does have the least potential of those three. Which is why if they were to move any of them and want to get something decent back to help with their front court, I just suppose he would have to be the one. But I don't think Knicks have enough to land him. That's not what I'm saying. No, nah, it's it's gonna take a lot. I, again, we we just got our picks back. I, you know, someone um, I forgot who tweeted it. Somebody tweeted something, and it kind of made me actually think twice before I I dove into the trade machine and got wild with it. And, it, and they said, uh, pretty much the only thing that matters at this point, now that we know we have a budding superstar in KP, is KP's development and mm-hmm. anything else that happens, whether terrible injuries happen and we hit the lottery again or whether we overachieve and end up as a four seed in the playoffs or make some noise in the playoffs whatever that is is sort of a bonus now so I guess my point is maybe they shouldn't try to shake it up too much maybe they should just try to ride this out a little bit you know Lee has been good I mean we we're getting double digit points out of him we're getting you know solid defending even though the the numbers don't always indicate that either because I think I, I tweeted it uh, and I tweeted it. it was in my piece a little bit earlier before how um, oddly enough, both the starting lineup combinations with Kyle LeQuinn or with Noah, they were better. I think in like 55 total minutes with Justin holiday in over Courtney Lee, mm-hmm. which was kind of odd, but cause it was, it was a big difference too. But um, yeah, it's just a shakeup of this team right now. I mean, we're still talking about having a negative differential and being the you know fourth seed. So there's a lot of weird things to go. I don't I don't distrust that. I don't know. I mean, we have so many young guys, so much young talent. I almost think you just you ride this out. And even if guys aren't performing well, there is still something, even if it's small, to, to be said about locker room presence. And, you know, mm-hmm, absolutely. And, you know, having uh, mellow for KP. It, it helps, even though sometimes they don't work as well on the court. There are a lot of benefits to it. And I think the same goes for even Joakim Noah. His contract sucks. Everybody knows it sucks. He's been awful. He's been god-awful. But there's something to be said about having a veteran presence to help even Billy. Yeah, maybe Noah isn't fantastic defensively anymore, but he still has the IQ. He can teach. So Billy's biggest weakness right now is on the defensive end. Defense, yeah. He gets boards. He's fantastically polished uh, on the offensive end. So I think as much as, like, yes, it's going to be frustrating to, like, look at these guys and try to think of a way to improve because we're all going to fool ourselves into thinking this is a win now. I think, at least for now, we just got to sit tight a little bit and just kind of roll with what we got. Well, see, I want to I want to see your point from a little bit of a different perspective here. Because I do agree that everything here should be centered around Porzingis' development. You know, regardless of how high this team achieves reasonably this year, it's not a championship contender. You know, um, I don't know how many years away that team might be, but 
It's not this year. So what I'm looking at now is everything revolves around Porzingis. Everything revolves around his development. But in, he can't do it alone. I think it's been proven in the NBA la- landscape time and time again that one star can't carry you to a title, and when they do, it's very rare. You know, we're, it's not the 2011 Mavs, and it's a totally different league even since then. Um, so my thinking is, we don't need lottery, you know, young players to come and develop alongside of him. We don't necessarily, you know, need the guys who are going to be franchise game changers here. But it would be nice to get a couple of other role players to start developing alongside Porzingis um, so that they can, you know, hopefully the team holds on to everyone and everyone could kind of form a unit. But kind of like what's going on in Minnesota right now to keep going back to them, you know, they're all kind of building together and it's going to make them better, even if they're having a little bit of a setback year. Um, You can see that the chemistry is growing and they're all kind of taking their steps together to where it might just end up all coming together at the same time. The Knicks do have a lot of young players that they're developing with, um, you know, Kuz isn't that young. Holiday's definitely not young. But like Plumlee, like um, like um, Billy. But I just feel like it would be nice to get a couple of other young guys in there alongside them and kind of, we have young guys developing, but let's boost that talent from the get-go and really see how high that ceiling can get. I just think that there there's some pieces that could be moved around here. And O'Quinn might be one of those pieces, too, that we're talking about. And if he continues like this, then it might really start making you question some more. But um, I, I just feel like there's a couple of names out there, some young names that are worth exploring to maybe who haven't hit their stride on their current team and could develop a little bit more in New York. Yeah, and no, I'm trying to think. I mean, like, Hazonia could be one of them. He's interesting. Well, they all are at this point, right? I mean, all these young players, even if they're two, three years in, you still don't totally know what you're going to get out of them. Well, his own year specifically, I, I he got buried the first year. I thought he was going to get opportunity because Orlando wasn't really ready to make a leap. And then um, that didn't happen because Oladipo and Peyton, and they kind of took the minutes there. And then uh, I think eventually Oladipo slid to the bench last season and... Um, I thought once they traded Oladipo, he was really going to get a lot of opportunities. And and again, he's gotten like nothing and he got buried. Mm-hmm. So he's interested. I mean, he's sort of the epitome of, of a mystery. You have no idea what he can actually do because he hasn't had the opportunity to do it. Right. Um, it, it goes a lot. A lot of that goes to the, just that magic team, not really knowing what they're doing. And you know who else? I mean, on Minnesota, we, we've been hammering Minnesota now, but a lot of things make Chris, sense to them. though. Well, you know? Chris Dunn hasn't done anything this year. And a lot of right. people loved the and I included. I loved the Chris Dunn pick yeah. from Minnesota, especially with Tibbs being there. It made perfect sense, and he's been like awful. Well, yeah, he's been he's been bad, but I mean, especially rookie point guards are going to be bad. There's if you're, I mean, we saw it with Jaron Grant last year, um, and he, you know, he wasn't nearly as uh, taken as highly or projected to go as far as Dunn will go. But it's just they're going to be bad from the get go. And I just, I think Minnesota knows that. I think Tibbs knows that. So I th- that's why I kind of was hesitant to include him with any Minnesota talk I was doing before, just because I think that they're at least going to try to ride him, you know, two years before deciding that he's not, you know, the guy for them. Um, I did have uh, another concern when I was looking at some of these names, just uh, that people are looking at trading right now. 
Is there anybody from the Western Conference who could be coming over to the East right now that the Knicks should get worried about? Um, that kind of mainly sparks from that discussion of you know the constant chatter of Demarcus Cousins going over to Boston. Um, but there's some other big names. You know, there's Rudy Gay. There's uh, you know, there's a couple of guys, or even guys sh- switching up teams like Greg Monroe, maybe going somewhere and finally finding a fit. Is there any guys that we're kind of stuck with in that bubble that we should be worried about getting talent? Uh, it's I just mean, bo- boogie going to Boston just scares me. I mean, that's kind of where that came the, from. The boogie to Boston rumors, I, they've been around for a while now. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I almost don't see that as an option. They, they have Horford. I, I don't see them sort of blowing up something that they've kind of built without giving up much of anything. They still have. They're strapped with assets. They still have a ton. And it kind of makes no sense to to do all this to be almost, you know, a, a real true contender while stockpiling everything that they have and then giving it all up for Boogie after you get out Horford. It just feels, I mean, I've, I think you'd give up Horford in that deal, but it just, it feels weird to me. It doesn't seem like the way that they, they would operate. See, I'm not totally sure that they have to give up Horford. I, cause I just think they have a lot, of, like you said, they have a lot of assets. They have a lot of guards they could probably move along to, which I think Sacramento might need more of. Um, and I, I think that Boston's starting to realize that in a setting other than what the Hawks have been doing the last couple of years, Horford operates better as a four. Um, and I think that the Celtics might some, look for some kind of help to maybe not totally uh, supplant him at the five, but give him some more minutes at the four, uh, which is why I think that pesky rumor keeps on sticking around. I think something that would be more of a sneaky Boston move is prying... Noel away from the mm-hmm. Sixers. I think that's something that I could see because then you get a true rim protector. You allow Horford to slide back to the four and play his true position. And then think about that front defensively. You'd have uh, Noel at the five. You'd have Horford at the four. You'd have Crowder at the three, Bradley at the two. And then IT just goes and gets you buckets. I mean, that would be a, a pretty scary lineup. And I don't think mm-hmm. they'd have to give up much to get Nerlens at this point. And at, even if they did, they have so many assets that they just don't... They're going to burn picks and not be able to keep guys on the roster. They're going to have to, like, stash guys. So they have a surplus at this point. So that's something I see is more likely. Maybe not from the Western Conference, but that seems like the sneaky Celtic move that they tend to do from time to time. Yeah, I, I think I could definitely... I could definitely see that happening as much as I'd like to see something with Noel still work out from the Knicks. Um, I don't know how realistic that is, but I just I like the guy. I like his flat top too. Um, but one of the other players that I kind of was thinking of a lot too is um, Drew Holiday, because if the Pelicans, you know, it's it's not been their year again, and you know you can move Drew, you can move Tyreek, even you can move either one of those guys, and Drew's a free agent after this year, as we've discussed a couple of times. I was thinking. Uh, of, I was thinking about Drew, but on that also, I was thinking about Eric Bledsoe after watching the Suns game. What's going on with Bledsoe's contract? Is he? Well, I think he signed a five. For a yeah, bit? I think he had a five-year deal from two years ago, so he should have three years left. But okay, I just I get the but sense still, that. But that's old money. That's old. That's old uh, TV deal money, right? Yeah, not, yeah. It's not a bad contract. It's just. I don't know what it, it doesn't feel right 
with him in Phoenix to me. It it could just be me, but they just kind of never they never go anywhere with him so far. Even when they were uh, playoff contenders the the other year, two years ago, they just never quite make that leap with him as the guy. And then yes, they did do a big rebuild, and I know they got a lot of young guys now, but I I, I don't know. I mean, he to me he could go, but back to the point on Drew. If the Knicks were going to give something up to get Drew, we'd the uh, our first round pick this year would be gone. That's yeah, uh, that, that's a given, and the only way I'd be on board with that obviously is if the always elusive get him get him to commit in the future with you guys. Like if it's like a sign and trade or something like that. I mean, I'd I'd be on board with that because I was open about wanting Drew. I absolutely would want Drew over Derrick Rose the next four years. I would. Yeah, that's that's my outlook too. Um, I think because here's the problem though with with the Knicks getting a point guard this year is that you know, you have Rose and Brandon Jennings, and neither of them are going to be your your long term options or even really great short term options, honestly. But with Rose being out as often as he's been lately, and seems to be going through some kind of not major injury, but you know, it's nagging issue at least. Little muscular kind Yeah, and just with his uh history, he's got he's even on a one year deal, I have to think he's pretty untradeable right now. Um and then so if you go ahead and trade for a point guard, you know, if you gotta move you probably end up running a two uh, two guard set, I'd imagine, or a two point guard set just to keep everyone's ego in check. Uh but that's gonna take a lot of minutes away from Brandon Jennings and then that's just gonna disrupt locker room chemistry. So I think if the Knicks got to trade for anyone, it's got to be that third point guard. But I'm just, you know, I'm worried about like what if Chicago goes out and grabs someone like Drew or someone who you know who can actually run the ball with them, or you know any any other of these Eastern Conference competitors. Like I feel like this this uh, the floor underneath the Knicks right now is so uh, thin that just like one or two players coming over, one or two meaningful players coming over to the conference and like even going to someone like Indiana um, could really shake things up and knock them back to where they probably should be. A, a team that I could actually see making a move that has some young guys that they could move um, to try to get into a win now mode. I could really wrap my head around the Hornets doing something big because imagine yeah. Kemba's really taking a leap this year. He's really playing well. Batum's playing well. You got MKG back. He's playing well. The one thing that they're missing sort of is that rock down low, that that big man. You know, last year they had um they had Big Al. They had yeah. Big Al. And who uh they had Big Al last year. They have, uh, the they have Marvin playing at the four. They've got now they have Zeller down at the five. Who else are they were they playing last year? Well, Kaminsky yeah, they, still and then, spells them. Yeah, they have uh, Kaminsky down there. So they have a little bit of a log jam um, as far as the bigs are concerned. But you don't think that they're the bigs for them? No, because I, to me, Kaminsky's kind of he is who he is. Zeller kind of is who he is. Zeller. Is a nice player, but he's done well this year. I think yeah. he he has done well, but he's sort of 
he kind of is who he is as well in the sense that he's not going to be a guy that's going to score 20 a night ever. He's not going to be a guy who maybe even averages a double-double, double, but he's going to give you a lot of energy. And he he's still young enough where you can try to use him as an asset. I, I could mm-hmm. see if, if the Hornets ever wanted to get out of that, like, constant lower-end Eastern Conference tier that they always seem to get stuck in, while they have some momentum and while their best play, like, Kemba kind of turned into what everyone hoped he could be because remember he was an undersized combo guard and that's terrifying in the nba because the odds of the undersized combo guard actually reaching his peak are very it's like slim to none you see Mm -hmm. so many combo guards that work out nicely for a few years remember even like rodney stuckey with the pistons had a nice couple of years like weird guys like that stick around but he's playing at an all-star level Almost an MVP level. He's close. I wouldn't say he's like a top tier MVP, but like second tier. But he's he's a top tier point guard right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely top ten. So I think if I think they're gonna finish like third or fourth in the East. So why not take a shot and try to get Boogie? Why not give up some picks? Give up some of those young guys. Everyone, if you're gonna get Boogie, everyone's expendable. Get get. You know what? I was kind of I was hesitant to go Charlotte when I was saw it, when I first brought this up before and I was hesitant to even look at them when I was doing some research before too but that makes a lot of sense to me. I think that if if Charlotte was to go out and get someone like uh get someone like DeMarcus that could do a lot for them going up against Cleveland. That could do a lot with them going up against Toronto. I that's they'd that's be not th- a bad they'd point. be legitimately scary. What do you think that, so what do you think they would have to give up for him? Let me let me take a look at what their picks are looking like in the I, I think near future. It, it's going to be picks, obviously, um, but you're going to have to give up one of those one of those guys that's starting for you. You're going to have to give up an MKG. You're going to have to give up a Batum. You're going to have to give something up like that to at least give the Kings to compensate for that big loss. I could honestly, I could probably see Batum going mm-hmm. if they had to. So, he's, he's a little bit older, and they still have. Marvin Williams, they still have, you know, Kemba and uh, MKG. See, I think they're, I think they can manage to hold on to, um, they could, they could manage to hold on to Batum, I think, which is important. I think they will get rid of either him or MKG, and both of them are really important to what they do, but that's probably going to be the cost. And just kind of taking a look at what's going on right now, they own both their first and their second round pick this year. They own their first next year, and they have a they have three second rounders: one from the Cavs, one from the Nets, and one from them. Um, and then they have their they own their yeah they own every first round pick going forward. I think uh, they, I think they you give that up whatever anybody, it takes so. pick wise. Yeah, I, I would say maybe. Um, I don't know if they would want because if they're going all in for for a boogie, they probably then Sacramento's probably not going to want their 2017 one. So maybe like, yeah, it could probably be like a 2019 and 2020 plus like either MKG and uh, either MKG or Batum. That would probably be enough to net Cousins on his own. Maybe even a little bit of an oversell there, but. Uh, I, I think people are going to be overselling if they want to get Demarcus Cousins right now. Yeah, yeah, no, that I, would be ve- that would be interesting. The only reason I brought Batum up, I think he has the bigger contract, so I think making okay. the money work, it would have to be something like either way, if it's Batum or if it's MKG, and then 
maybe throw in like Zeller and Kaminsky. You're gonna have to give up some young guys, and then you're gonna have yeah, to give them the picks. You have to give a big too, yeah. So yeah, so probably probably a pick and like either Zeller or Kaminsky and either Batum or MKG, just depending on how money works. And you could even I do yeah, going through. Well, Sacramento also wanted to get rid of uh, Rudy, no? So wouldn't this? They do, but I don't see them going in the same package. But could you imagine? Could you imagine if they gave? I up- could, but I don't. I don't think Charlotte wants that either, though. I, I'm just saying, if you gave up, like, even if you gave up MKG, right? Which I wouldn't want to do. You give up MKG, Rudy comes in, and he's a more than capable player. And if you throw him against, you know, you still, let's say you still keep Batum somehow. Batum's a really fluid guy to run the offense through that's not Kemba. So now you have two guys that could run the offense. You have Rudy as like a true auxiliary player, and then you have Boogie down low. It would be scary. It would be scary. That would absolutely be scary. That could be... That would be a, a way to bring some balance back to the league, I think. That trade right there would definitely give the East at least four really good teams to go up against. Yeah. I mean, that would be... that. Would, Charlotte would probably... Clear number two. Yeah. Clear number two. They would probably be better than Toronto. Oh, yeah. They, they'd be better than Toronto in that uh, scenario. Okay. For sure. So one through four. I mean, you got Cleveland. You got... Uh, Charlotte then you'd have Toronto and you'd have Boston and then you'd have a bunch of guys fighting for those last four seeds that would that's enough I think to give the West a little bit of a uh, you know just a little bit of a power balance there yeah well that was quite speculative <laughs> um, yeah so looks like um, looks like Phil's planning on hanging around until 2019 at least um, that's what you were saying today. So, and he said he might even be looking for another contract. I doubt that happens. I don't know if he's going to want to ride this out so long, but, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's just some news. I don't know if it really means anything. You know, I, I think all the, at least a good portion of the Phil drama for this half of the season has got to be out of the way. Yeah. I don't think it means much either because the whole big deal about him having the uh, early opt out was that was only there, at least in his words, it was only there because of, uh, in case there was a lockout. And now that the CBA is done, it doesn't seem like much of a coincidence that this story comes out where he's just like, oh, yeah, no, I probably remain through the rest of my contract. So that kind of seems part of the course. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't really hate. I, I understand Phil gets a lot of flack, and, and a lot of it's well-deserved. And I think too much is made about the bad things that he's done. And... I'm generally a pessimistic fan, but... Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. This is New York basketball. We're all pessimists here. Yeah, I just think there's too much to be said about, you know... Yes, the Noah contract sucks. At the same time, and the Rose thing was quite a gamble that I still don't agree with, despite how much better he's played recently, but um, he has done well quietly in the draft. He has, and not not just KP. It was the little thing, even though he traded him, it was like, the way he gets, uh, he got us Jerry and Grant. Right, you know, and the way he picked up Billy for nothing from the 76ers. Yes, picked, you know, up, like. picked up Billy. Kuz was a good find, too. Kuz can play. You know, he's, even his auxiliary signings, you know, last year, Robin Lope, uh, it was Robin Lopez, and uh, mm-hmm. even a Flalo wasn't a terrible deal, even though I ended up At just the time, he was, he was, I was this, very hyped on him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, but they were very friendly contracts. Even Courtney Lee. I remember the week before we signed Courtney Lee, 
everyone was saying, well, oh, well, if such and such got this contract under the C- the new CBA, there's no way that the Knicks could afford Courtney Lee. And then Courtney Lee comes for not the most he could have gotten. And I was like, huh, well, that's a he's really... He's come out publicly about that, too, that he, he left money on the table some other places so he could come to New York. Yeah. Which kind of goes on, like, you know, and I saw an article came out today, too. I only caught the headline, so I don't know who to credit it to. But, um... You know, that they were just saying how much draw KP is going to have in, drawing, in bringing people here. And people might actually start leaving a little bit of money on the table to come play for the Knicks again. It's And I agree with you to all of your points with Phil Jackson. And it just, it's so concerning and questioning to me as to how he can be so good with getting, you know, finding overseas talent and, find, and signing players for less than they would be, you know, they would normally get on the market and... You know, convincing guys to just come here and pulling off and great draft picks, and he can't trade players for shit. I will. I will say this. I will say the the Joakim Noah signing is a hundred percent a Phil Jackson signing. It just smells like it. Yeah, it looks like it. He looks like everything Phil would love in a player. The way he passes in the post, it looks exactly like the guy Phil would want to sign. I. That to me, that's a hundred percent on him. You can't convince me otherwise. The Derrick Rose trade, I think, may have had more to do with Carmelo. May have had more to do with, um, you know, maybe even James Dolan, because, and I think, I think when um, we met Chris that day in the city after the open practice, we briefly discussed it, and I tried to pick his brain about how if he knew anything about how this trade could seem so lopsided, like why would Phil make such safe moves the summer before? And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, Derek Rose. And I think he sort of alluded to, he never explicitly said anything, but he sort of alluded to, well, you know, Mello was getting up there in age. So I think this was sort of maybe a combination of, of ownership and Carmelo, but trying to get him somebody that seemed reasonable. And, the shot maybe maybe this is the early shot you know this is yeah this is you know it's obviously based around Porzingis now and the the real plan is to develop with him and you know eventually win a championship down the line is going to be the goal but that was the goal with Melo too so maybe this is the due diligence that you know the final shot kind of deal and it's um, it was a hell of a gamble but at the same time like sure you you could and people have argued you know well Rose is still 27 he's you know, I had two years old, 27, the oldest, the oldest knees. And, you know, he's finally Coming yes, from the oldest 25 year old. I am the oldest 25 year old. And <laughs> I, I my bones are the same as Derrick Rose's bones. I, I understand the pain. And I, I don't know. I mean, a contract. It, yeah, I should. It's only going to be 10 days and then I'm out of there. But yeah. <laughs> um, but but I don't know. I mean, I, I overall, I like what Phil's done. Yes. Rose was a gamble. Yes, I think Joe Kimnoa's contract was terrible. We've all said that. That's no hot take. But largely, I think he's done enough to at least balance it out. It's not It's not all been terrible. I don't even think it's mostly been terrible. It's just he's done a lot of good. He's had his misses, but I'm okay with him being around a little while longer. Honestly, I am. I don't love yeah. the guy, but yeah. Yeah. And it's still concerning because you don't know who is doing, you know, you don't know who's quite is doing what. I can't establish a pattern between who's Phil Jackson and who's Steve Mills, you know, or, or how closely they're collaborating or how much influence Dolan has. Just things we're never going to know. So, you know, sometimes it feels like Phil becomes a scapegoat 
Um, I'm certainly guilty of it. And I think every fan can be guilty of it. Absolutely. But you're right. There's a, there's there's a lot of good there, and you know, all the bad can't fall exclusively on him. No. Um. So moving on. Last little thing to talk about here today is there's no lockout. There's going to be basketball for a while. Yeah. Thank you, NBA gods. Um, but kind of, I, I went through it today. Did you get a chance to take a look through a lot of it? No. There's some really interesting things that they did here. Um, the one I want to start with is they're finally really doing some stuff with the D-League. I was hoping you were going to get to, Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so explain. Ma- making me super... I was super stoked on that because now it's what it's looking like is roster sizes might increase either... or will increase either one or two spots. Um, the D-League to, roster or the NBA no, roster? NBA roster. Okay. To introduce a concept of two-way contracts. So oh, you can okay. have a player who you don't have to be cutting players and you know signing guys and letting guys go and waving and all this bullshit... You could just have guys that you can develop long term, send back and forth between these different leagues, and you'll have dedicated roster spots for them. Um, that to me stands out as the biggest thing in this in this CBA. And, I think that's going to be huge. Yeah, and, and real quick on that, Melo was a a huge advocate for that. So I'm I'm glad to see that there. Um, is there anything while we're on the D League? Was there anything about um, an increase in the contract? Big, big increase. It's so looking so, like about 45 to 50%. It's looking like... Um, for the D-leaguers, right? For the D-leaguers, yeah. It's looking like they're going to be getting somewhere between like, uh, you know, starting at like 45000 for contracts now, whereas before I think it D-league, contracts this, D-league contracts this year started at $19,000 a year. Yeah. And uh, I think the top tier was like 22500 or something. So, like... Yeah, that's compared to the, you know, $100 million that some players are getting. That's just, you know, an out, completely outrageous number. So I'm glad to see these two-year contracts are going to be like somewhere around the uh, like one hundred fifty to like $200,000 range, I think. That, no, that's, um, that's wonderful. That's huge. That's huge for getting talented. I think that's, that's a really, really great move that they did. A um, couple of other really interesting points, too. Um Yeah, the basketball-related income split saying exactly how it was, uh, 51-49, but there is a, supposed to be $1.5 billion coming into the league. Uh, TV deal? Yeah, because of that TV deal, players are, are players themselves are expected to make $1.5 billion more now. So it didn't really, they didn't want to push for all that much more. I'm getting uh, most of this off of just NBA.com and their uh, mm-hmm. press release, by the way. But, um, yeah, we're looking at things like... Um, there's going to be a cool thing with designated veterans now too, which I found. Uh, now, previously you could only extend like your veteran players by four years. Now they're going to be able to extend it to five to six years, and you'll be able to give them a larger contract than they'd be able to get in free agency. That... Now they're trying to combat the like Kevin Durant move, basically. Well, I was going to say that confuses me just a little bit because before the last CBA. I'm trying to remember when I don't was it in the CBA or was it because it was like 2009 and 2010. I, I think I remember they made some tweak to like the home team. I think this was 2010 because it was right before LeBron left and mm. they basically went from 
they changed it so that the home team could always offer an extra year of guaranteed money for a little bit for a little bit of a higher rate. So because I remember that was part of the part of like the I think, the fuss about LeBron leaving. Yeah, I think part of that goes into like free agency versus extensions now. This is going to be purely for extensions. Now okay. you can extend a player instead of just being able to extend him four years, you can extend him a max of five to six. And I should say this is going to be this is the designated veteran clause, which can only be applied to two players per team. Or or either two play it's not entirely clear, but I don't know if it's either two players per team or if it's twice over the course of the CBA. Um which would be very interesting. And they're talking about this is a big way that we could extend Kristaps in the future. Um, and yeah. be able to offer him more guaranteed money than he could put, he could possibly make in free agency. Yeah, because before 2010, I, I do remember there used to be like six-year deals. There were larger deals. Right, and Joe then Johnson they, and you know guys like that. Exactly. And then they, they lowered it, and then everything was four, four through free agency, five through a home team extension was the max mm-hmm. max. So... I kind of well, like... wasn't it? Was it the other way around though? Because what? wasn't it that you could get? Oh no, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because they they wanted to give the home team the advantage of retaining their yeah. player, and but it didn't quite work out. As we've not, seen well, I mean, it worked plays. out, I guess, for Carmelo if you want to call it working out, and then because I think yeah, that was part the... of it too. We were able to offer him a little bit more money and a, an extra year of guarantee to stay at home. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, the Bulls could have only offered him, instead of four years, they could offer him, like, five, uh, sorry, instead of five years, they could offer him four years and a little bit less. Yeah, so it's gonna, it's definitely going to be interesting how this is going to all work out. I don't have all the details on it right now, but there, there's definitely, there are going to be longer windows that you can do to extend your players. Um, interesting thing, too, that we know that Chris Paul is the president of the Players Association, and yep. you have LeBron James right behind him as a VP. Those guys are getting old. So they extended the rule. It's not a now. It's no longer the over thirty six rule. It's the over thirty eight rule. Now players can be extended. Players because previously, if you were over thirty six years old, you weren't allowed to be extended by five years. Now that rule's been changed to thirty eight. So a guy okay. like LeBron James or a guy like Chris Paul or a guy like Melo on their next deals can still get five year contracts. Okay. Um. And the, and the thing is, it's not if you're over 36 when you sign the contract, or it wasn't when you were over 36 when you signed the contract. It's if you turn that age throughout the course of the contract. I kind of like it only because we already know that we've advanced in terms of the information that we have now. So we know that, you know, resting guys is beneficial. It, it extends their career. I mean, for for the perfect example is probably Vince Carter. Yeah. Think about Vince Carter. Every year since he was with the Mavericks, I was convinced, like, okay, that's his last hurrah. One more run. He, yeah. Yeah. One more run. One more run. One more run. And that was 2016. And he's still throwing down crazy dunks in Memphis. So yeah. guys are, are much smarter with their diets and they're working out. And, and these medical staffs are phenomenal. So, yeah, I, that makes sense to bump it up two more years because you're going to get a little bit more longevity out of these guys now. I like it. Yeah. That, that's kind of my thought on that whole thing, too. It's just, and, it, you know, just, yeah, longevity. Guys know how to extend their bodies further now. Medicine, there's medical science to extend people further. So, yeah, that one made sense to me too. Overall, I mean, this deal looks pretty good. It seems like everyone, uh, you know, there seemed to be a little bit of pushing right at the end there for uh, for something. I think it had to do with likenesses, and they are they can still go back and tweak a couple of things here. They voted to extend the deadline till uh, mid January now, 
So, you know, they can go back and fine-tune a couple of these things. But, yeah, there's going to be extensions with, like, rookie scale and veterans minimum and, like, the uh, mid-level and stuff like that. Now they're going to be tied to the what the salary cap becomes instead of just being a fixed number, uh, which is why you still had guys who were making, like, you know, really weak vet minimum, like 400,000, 500,000 vet minimum salaries, you know, this year, even though the, um, you know, TV deal boomed. Now it's all going to be tied to what the it's going to be percentage of the salary cap basically. Did we ever figure out what Draymond was mad about? No, I'm sure that'll bubble up over the next couple of days. We'll just have a little patience on that one. Because he must, there must be some one thing that, that maybe it's a more specific thing, yeah. but yeah, because uh, he was just not happy at all. Like it, it was a big deal to him. So I, I really do wonder. What he There's knew. like a specific clause in there, like that's just like you can't be kicking players in the balls. Stop hitting dicks. It's the Draymond Green rule. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also, actually, there's there was a cool little thing I found in the bottom too that um, included in the C- in this CBA. There's going to be a new domestic violence policy uh, with heavy focus on education, resources, support, treatment, and counseling. Don't know how in depth that's really going to be, but it's it was really encouraging to see steps being taken there and seeing that written into the into the law at least. No, I, I like that. I like that as well. Yep. Um, I think that's just just taking the right steps. You know, it's good, good, uh, good on everyone's side. I'm. I mean, that's all. That's all I was able to really scoop up so far. But I, think, I like the uh, domestic violence thing though, especially because they the NBA is a league that kind of always does the right thing in comparison to the NFL always doing the wrong thing so it right. seems with the they player have their eyes things. open it seems at least you know yeah but I do remember there was kind of widespread disappointment initially after Darren Collison got in his little domestic violence incident before, right. uh, in, in the offseason and they gave him eight games and uh, a, a lot of people weren't happy about that they felt it wasn't enough so maybe this kind of stemmed from that and I'd like to see if now that they have these resources does that mean if there's a, a heightened awareness, is, are they going to start instituting more of a default, uh, maybe a more strict ruling on those kinds of suspensions as well? Yeah, ho- hopefully more yeah, stricter language, more uh, definite language. I'm hoping is what was written into here. And again, we only have so many details to work right. off of. But I'm hoping it's stricter language in there. I'm hoping it's harsher penalties. Um, you know, this is, this is really serious, and I'm glad to see them taking steps in it. And there's... No reason why harsh penalties shouldn't be enforced for domestic violence. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's good CBA. Looks like uh, I don't know when the opt-out's going to be, and I'm sure we'll see more um, details coming out over the next couple of weeks before they have to uh, ratify it. But I think uh should have some interesting basketball coming up over the next couple of uh, next couple of years. Oh, and also uh, preseason got shorted. There are uh, preseason six, six games four. now. And they're starting the season about a week earlier. Uh, the whole th- schedule is going to be extended by about seven days. So, you know, less back-to-backs and all that good stuff. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's, that's uh, I think that's about it for us. You got anything else? Um, I mean, the only thing is uh, I'm looking forward yeah, to quick. former uh, Nick Legends, Wilson Chandler, and... Uh, Danilo Gallinari. Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I, yeah, I, I do miss them. Um, come home, come home, guys. It, it's okay. I'll take you back with open arms. Dude, um, I I loved Wilson Chandler. I remember there was one point in like 
um, like late 2010, where I was seeing, I was like, what? I specifically remember like walking around this grocery store and I was reading on my phone, uh, like potential mellow deals. And I saw one and it was straight up Wilson Chandler for Carmelo Anthony. And even at that point, I was like, I don't know if I want to part with Chandler. <laughs> um, and still to this day, I was, I'm, I still miss Wilson Chandler. So everyone like Gallo, I miss, but you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Part of the deal. Wilson Chandler is just the one guy I just couldn't get over losing in that deal. I, I kind of love them equally. I, I think I was probably yeah. a little bit more partial to uh, Gallo, but I was not more mad about losing one over the other. I was more mad that we gave up both. It's yeah. still, it still to this day bothers me that we couldn't have hung on to just one of those guys. Like, for just imagine that 54-win year with, like, just Gallo added yeah. to it or just Wilson Chandler added to it. Well, imagine if you had, like, Gallo playing essentially, like, what Novak's role was but being way more versatile. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, God, it just... We gave up so much. Like, that. that's what hurts me is it's, like, we gave more than we needed to up and, like... the they're not like wasting away. Like Gallo's had some good years. Wilson's playing great right now, and I love seeing yeah. that. But oh god, I just I, I you know the, the funniest part about that deal to me is that we got more players in that deal than we sent out. Yeah. But we got back. We got back Carmelo Anthony. Got Chauncey. back Chauncey Billups, and I think cool. I can remember this trade off the top of my head. We got Sheldon Williams back. The five had himself. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> we got Anthony Carter, who was yeah. like my favorite through that playoff run. That he was incredible. Um, and we got Ronaldo Balkman. Holy shit, I just did that. And, and, we got Corey Brewer back, didn't we? Didn't we get yeah, him back? Yeah, but he, we lost him immediately. He didn't play for us at all. He went right, to but he still, Minnesota he, right away. Yeah, but he still came. Because Minnesota was the third team in that deal, and they were they were facilitating Eddie Curry for us. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Wow, that brought us back, too. It's yeah, a weird just, pod. Yeah. Uh. Um, on that last quick note on the Nuggets, I, I don't think we win that game in Denver. I don't. We never yeah. play well in Denver. We might not have uh, Rose and or Mello or vice versa. So I, I just feel like that's going to be one of those weird sneaky trap games. I think Mello's back. I think he's just banged up right now. He could use a day. Uh, Rose you don't know about, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It could be it could go one way or another. I'd like to see a good Mello performance in Denver, though. I'd always be giddy for one of those. Yeah. Um, so let's wrap up right now uh, with a little bit of sad news. Well, some really sad news, really. Uh, NBA and really the world itself had a huge loss today. Uh, Craig Sager passed away after battling leukemia, a couple of battles with leukemia, fighting as hard as he could and as strong as he could. And I was just absolutely heartbroken when I saw the news today. Yeah, it's, uh, same for me. I, I was at work. I actually got really busy when it happened. And uh, I came back to my phone and, you know, I, I saw and yeah, it's it's very upsetting. And I, I will say that, you know, we were all discussing before. I think even Ryan mentioned it. You know, he was sad looking at the tribute videos. And I mentioned it actually made me happy because if you think about it, this was an excellent year for him to sign off. You yeah. know, uh, especially finally his beloved Chicago Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> and and I read a little story that every year since 1981, he bet one thousand whole dollars at the beginning of the year, that this was going to be the year that they were going to win. Um, so every year he he lost money, so he probably lost a lot of money. Um, he may have broken even, though. Yeah, maybe. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he lived a fantastic life. He brought a lot to our yeah. game. Uh, he meant a lot. It wasn't just another kind of bullshit sideline reporter. 
You right. know, he, I, I he, think he actually contributed and, and it was really it was impactful. I think he, he did a lot, um, not just on the sidelines and, you know, just for the NBA and especially people reporting on the NBA like ourselves and just showing that you don't have to fit a carbon copy mold to do this kind of job. You don't have to be you don't have to be an athlete to be a reporter out there. You don't have to be an athlete to know what you're talking about. You don't have to, you know. You could do it how you want to do it and be successful, and that's what Sager did to a T. And yeah, he's always going to be a huge influence on me. And uh, yeah, that's one hitting me hard. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. It's just yeah, we, we lost we lost one of the good guys today. One of the we good did. guys. Well, on that note, I think that wraps up us up for this week. Yep. Um, you guys can go to t uh, thenextwall.com. Uh, check out some of our future articles coming up. We are going to have a pretty uh, pretty big guest on the show next week. Uh, I'm not going to throw any names out there yet, but you guys will know in, quite, in just a few days. Uh, so look forward to that. Should be airing that show on the 22nd, I do believe. So it's going to be our little holiday party. It'll be right before Christmas. It'll be uh, we'll be in the festive mood. I, I can assure you. And make sure uh, you know keep up with previews and recaps, uh, you know before and after every single game. We'll have something up for this Warriors game tonight, regardless of how it goes. <laughs> and follow us on Twitter at the Knicks Wall. Hit us up on Facebook, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah. See you later, dudes.